You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is the Cranky Fan. Uh, Grump, I I really probably shouldn't say this because I think my parents are listening, but once again, I'm sick. This is the third time I'm sick, so everybody just bear with me through this. So if I look a little rough and sound rough and you know, at the 30-minute mark, I'm going to bang out two NyQuil's, so if you see me just asleep... It's not because the Grump is incredibly boring. He is very knowledgeable and all wise, like the Wizard of Oz. I will just be drugged out. So be, he's the kid in the back of the class with his hood up, and you know, <laughs> me basically. No, I mean, I think it would be easier if you just start telling us when you're feeling good instead of uh, when you're sick. I would feel good when we're in the playoffs. Ooh. I think this is the result of ten years of doing these shows about rebuilding and watching. <laughs> division rivals i hate in the playoffs and i think it's just you know wearing my body down i have a shoulder i can't move past here anymore i have i'm gonna be coughing up a lung during this show you'll be excited for that so (laughs) upward and onward grump you know what you feel worn down because this team has stunk and uh we're we're about to tackle the biggest reason why this team has stunk over the course of a decade now you know just as you said it's not it's not uh bad coaches i mean it's not bad gms it's it's, not bad quarterback play well uh a lot of things spill into it but i think at the heart of everything a lot of the bad could have looked a little bit better with um a little heart and soul little elbow grease put into the offensive line and Mm -hmm. a lot of times when those things were done it was too little too late or just miss misjudged we were sold a bill of sales by two general managers that the way to build a team is from the inside out we were told you know insert catchphrase hog molly big guys beef eaters whatever they are who cares the fact is when we had when we had money to spend in the salary cap we got receivers when we had first round picks that we could have you know, got you know another offensive tackle to offset Andrew Thomas. We trade down and we get more receivers. We just, you know, and I think it's ironic because we've been critical of this team for ten years for hanging on to the Eli Manning fallacy, thinking this team is kind of good enough. We have one more run with him, but did nothing to protect him. I mean, we can go back to the last couple of years of his career. We could probably say. If he had better protection and you know a better running game, he'd probably be better than he was the final, you know, quarter of his career. Yeah, and I now mean, that is kind of interesting, paying. right? I mean, that is kind of interesting. They they almost all but admitted that they have been sold. They were sold onto hanging on to Eli Manning, and um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a funny way of showing him any kind of respect is to not protect him whatsoever. I mean, though, like that final, that 2016 year, they just went on a full-on spending spree on defense, too. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, again, Eli was Eli. 
you know, maybe with a great offensive line, he still would have been Eli Manning. He was still an older quarterback. Hmm. Uh, but, you know, they went all in. And that's, you know, I wouldn't confuse that with going all in <clears throat> with Daniel Jones in 2022. I think, you know, we've been spooked by this ownership group and by past general managers. When they hear things like that, they think we're just riding these guys until it's blatantly obvious anymore. I think, you know, the Daniel Jones experiment, we're going to have an answer for him at the end of this time next year. Um, we're not going to build for one run for Daniel Jones. I think we are building this, you know, for long-term sustained success. And the mess we're in right now, it's going to take a while. You have to crawl before you run with this roster. So we're going to look at the offensive line. We're going to see the moves that they made this offseason. We're not going to be fooled by what they did thinking we solved anything. We'll, we'll look at the we'll look at the salary cap hits uh, implications on that, and we'll look at what's going on in the draft. But you'll see that we might have put our finger in the dike, but there's a lot of water behind that dike. We gotta we gotta figure it out. Yeah. So you know it's it's funny you mentioned there were opportunities in the past for this team to get a tackle, and instead they trade down and take a wide receiver. They are again in this scenario this year. So let's we're gonna start with just the tackles here, and I am not gonna waste your time. Uh, let's just talk about the right tackle position for, because, you know, I, I feel secure in Andrew Thomas at the left tackle position. Uh, I, I mean, he's the guy I wanted all along. He's developed just the way I had hoped he would. Mm -hmm. I think he looks lock steady there. My only concern here would be his career longevity. He seems to be piling up some ankle injuries. Mm -hmm. um, I'd like to see him kind of stay healthy, but otherwise I feel good there. Grump, let's do a quick little football 101 for people. Um that first pick, we are looking for a right tackle. We're not looking at a guard, you know. We're not looking at a, you know, a, a center. I mean, you know, some people might be like, why don't we just get a center and a, and a guard or something? But we are looking for right tackle for the value of that first pick, correct? Well, I mean, for starters, yeah, with the value, I, I, I would have to see a Quentin Nelson style guard to be picking a guard anywhere near the top ten mm -hmm. in in a, in a draft uh, center. You know, again, like there are so few centers that are that all pro that yeah but, i just want i just want to get it out there in case you know again not everybody no, listens is you know locked in on this 24 7 so i think it's good just to kind of clear the air why we're going in the direction we're going well also i i think we can speak right to the depth i mean this is a position that needs to be addressed anyway. I mean, we, we've watched Nate Solder flounder there. We've seen Matt Parrott fail to develop there. Eric Flowers didn't transition over there. The right tackle position has been a goddamn mess that operated at best with cheap veteran depth playing mm -hmm. there as starters. Um, right now, they have backed themselves into that as not even being a possibility. They have no money to sign anybody, and they've signed... Someone who may be a practice squad level player in Matt Gano to play with. So they really have no choice right now but to get a tackle in the draft. And I don't know why you would screw around with a tackle any later than the first, second round. Yeah, Grump, you know, we're looking at uh, Sport Track, which does a great job breaking down salaries and everything. And they list for the Giants right now 14 members of the offensive line that are signed. The average. Um, cap uh cap amount is two million dollars yeah we only have four guys who are making more than two million dollars so and you know glazinski Bliciano, all these guys these new guys we have are either right around 
you know, three million or below that number. So what does that tell you? That tells me that these guys are just stopgap guys. Oh, these yeah. should have no impact on what our draft plan is going forward. This is just to, this is us. So we don't have the sieve we had the last couple of years, and it's a complete, you know, uh, loss. You know, fearing for a quarterback's life or a running back's life. But don't get lulled into we've solved the problem. We haven't. We just got bodies in there that they're replacement level. They're just gonna do the job until we get real players. Yeah, I mean, I think they've they've pretty much went out and got a playable roster. That's about it. Glowinski's <laughs> the only one that truly has any chops to be a legitimate starter coming into this. If Feliciano has kind of fringe level there, I don't really know what he's gonna do at center. Um, you know, he he claims that he's the center. Uh, he came here to play center, and the only reason he didn't play center prior was because he was behind like all pro talent or, or whatever. Yeah, That's fine, but what am I supposed to know? Yeah, yeah, he's listed as a guard. Yeah, it's because I don't really know that he's played much center in game time. So mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know what to think of something like that. I mean, at left guard, we have all sorts of questions. So to me, this is about tackle first, tackle first, tackle first. This offensive line needs help everywhere except left tackle. You know, mm-hmm. they need left guard help. They need center help pretty badly. They need right guard help for the future. I think Lewinsky is fine to start this year, but he's only here for a couple of years, and that's probably going to be the end of his, you know, time in the NFL just about. And right what, tackle question, is an absolute question mark. Question for you, is Matt Pert on this roster opening day? Um... Yeah, I think so only because he got hurt so late. He's I don't know if it's going to count. Do you consider like the PUP list like roster or IR roster? Uh I mean for this discussion, you know, if he let's say he's healthy. Okay. You you think he'd make this roster? I think he'd make it but he doesn't belong. I mean, yep. you know what I mean? Like only because they are so few on right. this roster and he's cheap so well remember now this you know this front office didn't draft him they didn't put their neck on the line to get him i don't think he has any long-term staying no. power here i think he'll he'll stick around for 2022 because he's hurt and because this offensive line needs help everywhere and because this coaching staff and this uh front office will not have had their own look at him yet until he's fully healthy that will buy him that that last year but i think he yeah i think he i would let go of him now i'm totally fine with letting him go this is his this will be his third year or fourth year this will be his third year but we no, won't even see him he's 25 already too yeah i mean when well, he's that, in, I, that means we, little we to me when project. he's gotten like no tread on his tires it means nothing to me so yeah, I mean, but it was one of those things like he was brought in as a project, but you know something, the guy's 25 already, and I still consider him a project. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not ready yeah. to Oh, yeah, off, absolutely. He, he's I mean, going to do he, anything. He's still in the project zone, so. he The fact that he couldn't win re- the the starting job, and Nate Solder was playing hard, When it was just too. a silver platter given to him. He could, you know, he didn't win, do he anything. Didn't, he didn't win it at a camp. He couldn't win it over Nate Solder. Nate Solder got hurt and was playing hurt over him. Mm-hmm. That tells me everything I need to know. I mean, he yes. screwed up somewhere. He might not be working hard. You know what I mean? Like, he might be lazy. I don't we know. know I don't know what else to come think out, about that. That's going to come out in the wash, I think, during these OTAs and off-season workouts and, and training camp. But again, he's he's he tore his ACL so late in the year. He's no part of any of that. I'm not that's, even sure he's ready for training camp, man. That's fair. So, 
Uh, it's, like I said, I think he gets bought another year. But staying with the tackles, I'm not going to waste your time too much. on the. I'll show you the guys I reviewed on the, on, on the thing over here. Let's change our view here. Um, but these are my top four tackles in this order. Evan Neal, Akeem Aquanu, Charles Cross, Trevor Penning, all these guys I could see going in the first round, some of them slipping to the second round. Okay. Um, and that's the order I have them graded. Um, so, you know, you mentioned not that long ago, but I've rambled since then, uh, that they have an, another opportunity now to do the same thing they did last year where there was a tackle on the board, the Rayshon Slater, but they traded down, which I don't necessarily disagree with, but they ultimately got a wide receiver and the tackle spot was once again ignored. Freeze right there. Yeah. In hindsight, uh, we're, in a be- we're in a better position, I think, because they did that than if we didn't. I mean, having those two chips now with a new front office rebuilding, you know, yeah, that I wasn't so. the plan for Dave Gettleman to set the table for the next guy, but... Well, it depends on which lens you're looking at. Are you looking at Dave Gettleman and Joe Joe Judge lens, or are you looking at the Daniel Jones lens? Because at the DJ lens, they've screwed themselves by not doing that. Because now um, we got we got a wash of a year out of it, and we uh, need to know what to do with him. I'm looking at the the overall rebuild, not of one player, not of one unit, just overall getting this roster to become a contender. I think you can make that argument, but I would argue that so much of the roster is dependent on your evaluation of your quarterback and therefore mm-hmm. no I don't agree but I can I can I can appreciate that argument I, I think it's a fair one I just don't agree with I it. was I didn't even think about it it just kind of came into my head and you know maybe it's an equal but that's something I was thinking of no yeah so you know I have Evan Neal he is to me this is top five talent here with Evan Neal <laughs> which means that he is totally possible to be on the Giants board at five and we've already covered the edge rushers, so I don't know. I mean, do, we also know that the edge rushing position is kind of a tough one. Uh, but to me, even if these guys are graded absolutely perfectly the same, Kayvon Thibodeau, Evan Neal, I'm protecting my quarterback first and foremost, A. And, you know, based on this roster, I'm not protecting him at all if I don't get a right tackle. I'm not protecting him at all. That, that, that's not even I'm not protecting him well. I'm not protecting him at all. And B, if I want to help my defense, I can also help my defense by putting up more points. Well, I'll, I'll forget even putting up points. Staying on the field a little longer. Staying on the field longer. Getting extra first down. But you know how much position. Look, you can manufacture a pass rush with blitzing. You can manufacture a pass rush by making the opponent's offense one-dimensional by making them have to catch up. You can't manufacture a tackle. I mean, there's only so much you can do to protect your quarterback and so many uh, resources you can allocate. If you keep putting up points... Even if you have a bad defense, you have a 50% chance of winning. I mean, we talk about this all the time. If you end up in overtime, it's pretty much a coin deciding who gets the ball first. Mm-hmm. At least you have that 50% chance as long as you're putting up points. On defense, you know, if, if you go that route and you're, you're causing turnovers, that all certainly helps. But if you can't move the ball, you're kicking field goals instead of scoring touchdowns. You know, if I have to choose between the two, the way the league is now, the best way to do this is to protect my quarterback. So to me... Evan Neal would be my my uh, preference over Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, okay, let me yeah let, let's play a hypothetical then because you get to this time of year and you hear a lot of you know two camps you know whether it's on other podcasts and I'm just talking giant podcasts any any show of people think you should get the best player period or 
I need position X to draft him. I don't care, whatever. Keeping that in mind, and we, for the most part on this show, say get the best player. Having said that, how close is your edge rushers to the top offensive linemen where if they're if we're picking nits over the two of them so you said before you know all things equal I'm taking Evan Neal but how much lower on the board would Evan Neal be than Kayvon Thibodeau for example you're saying I'm still taking him well the Giants are in that unique scenario now where um they have you know two top 10 picks right so depending on how the board falls would would uh, influence my decision a little bit. If, if, you know, we're about to talk a little bit about Akeem Aquanu from NC State here. You know, if you have a chance like that, it's going to impact my, my that, that variance in grading is going to change my mm-hmm. decision. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know that I can quantify, you know, what the, what the, the difference is there, but um, I just, I think most of it is going to be how, how will I be able to address the other position or the other problem area if I don't take that, right? So if I don't take Kayvon Thibodeau, I have to think about what moves I can make to generate a pass rush. You know, what? it's going to depend on what else is available to me. Um, Without getting into extremely deep analysis about Jacksonville, Detroit, Houston, and the Jets, what's your gut say? Do you think you'll see the run on offense on on tackles? You know, Jacksonville needs one. The Jets need one for sure. They don't. Um, neither of those teams need a quarterback. You know, Detroit doesn't really need a quarterback. Houston, yeah. You know, who knows? Um, do, do you think it's more likely you'll see the run on the edge rushers or on tackles? Just the way what's what's ahead of us as of this moment. Uh, um. I don't know. Uh, I guess I would expect – I would be really shocked if Aiden Hutchin was, Hutchinson wasn't already gone, and that might spark the run on the um, on the edge rushers first. Mm-hmm. Um, I could, I, it's hard for me to say that one of the tackles will be picked before Aiden Hutchinson, but Trent Balk is a, is a, a, a weird GM, and I, I don't know what's going to happen in Houston and trade mm-hmm. scenarios, you know what I mean? So – Right, right. Uh, you know, you know, quarterbacks can throw everything awry, and my gut tells me, um, well, okay, my my brain tells me it's going to be the edge rushers will have the run before the tackles. My gut tells me that uh, draft day is fluky, oh, and, of course, and not yeah. to feel solid in that. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. How much is your gut telling you we're going to get screwed? <laughs> That's how. How much is your gut going to say? Oh. We can get Evan Neal one more pick. Oh, the Jets took. You him. know what? Um, <laughs> I feel like it's that's a, it's a an annual trend. You know, feeling among Giant fans, it's like that guy. Ugh. I think that we're in such a a unenviable. We're yeah, we're in such an unenviable position where we have such a good draft pick and so many needs, and there's some pretty good top talent up there that if we get screwed out of something, I'll be pissed about it internally, but know that there are legitimate options to improve the team right there. I'll be more pissed if we screw ourselves than this if we get screwed. like the NBA draft where, you know, 
this is a three-player draft, like the Knicks had a couple of years ago, and we drafted fourth. <laughs> you know, this is not that's not the way it works with the NFL draft. You know, you're going to get quality up there if if we decide to stay up there. But I, you know, we haven't even discussed that yet, the, the, the trade down possibilities. But I tend to agree with you. Yeah. Um, all right. So real quick, I'm going to get into why I like Evan Neal the best here and why he's my current. Before I really absorb everything that I've watched and uh, you know processed. Currently, I would say he's my number one target for this draft, and it's basically because he's ideal. I think he would be a fringy left tackle, which makes him an excellent, excellent, excellent right <laughs> tackle. From the measurements on down, nice steady base, great kick step, um, anchors really well above uh, against power rushes. Um, the only thing I think he could really work on is, you know, he's got some balance issues with some leaning, and uh, the run game stuff isn't really that great. Now, Akeem Aquanu from NC State is a lot of people's favorites as well. I've seen them flip-flopped. To me, I have a little bit of a worry about him, and, and this is minor now. We're nitpicking. Again, this is first-round talent we're talking about, but 6-4. And that lack of length, you know, which he has extremely long arms to kind of make up for that, but you can see recoverability issues, you know, there's some pad level things, there's a lot of leaning as well. I, I, it's not that his arms are too short, it's that he just tends to lean. He tends to just do that. So he can get kind of moved around a little bit. He's got a lot, some really surprising athleticism as well, and he's the better run blocker of the two. This, this might be a stupid question, but I'll throw it out there. So we're building this up. If, if we take him, he's a little shorter potentially. And we're saying, well, not quite elite level left tackle, so he might be a right tackle instead. Does that kind of restrict what kind of quarterback we may go after if we're not going to keep Daniel Jones, like, as far as a lefty quarterback versus a righty quarterback? Mm, or you, no. Well, I mean, I guess it could. Um, because we're, we're, I mean, again, the, the amount of lefty quarterbacks and good lefty quarterbacks are pretty low. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're saying for a guy like him, it's like, eh left tackle throw him on the right side all of a sudden he becomes an, your de facto right tackle a uh, left tackle on the other just well uh, i mean to think about it, i guess yeah i i think that that would be like an ideal scenario is that you can always get yourself a left tackle that probably isn't good enough to play left tackle at a high level in the nfl but could flip to right side and be locked could, down on the other side sure could but, andrew thomas go over there sure he's he did it in college uh i would prefer to keep him on the left side personally okay. um but but um, I also think he's better than Evan Neal. Um, I, I like Andrew Thomas's all-around game a little bit better. You know, maybe his footwork is a little bit chunkier, but uh, I like his run run game presence more. Um, I think he he's I don't know. I just like Andrew Thomas more. He looks a little bit more polished than Evan Neal. Um, okay. There's two other guys that tend to make first round buzz, and I I have them as like fringe first rounders here. That I could see them going the second. It's Charles Cross from Mississippi State. Um, some people have him ranked really really highly. Um, I don't, but I can understand why. My issue with him is that I, I think he's got below average anchor. Um, I think he has some natural strength strength to hold on and slow things down, but he he tends to get hands in his chest and he just gets walked back in the pocket. And um, he's also got some weird bouncy foot thing that I don't really like. He has like this weird hop step recovery, not really into, you know, just some little things I think he can clean up. I don't think he would be a bad right tackle or anything like that. I wouldn't be upset 
if he became a giant, but I would be upset if he were picked really high because I think he's got some things he needs to work on. All right, let's let's play hypothetical again. Okay. We trade out of five, mm-hmm. and we get you know ten and a first round pick next year and another second round pick or something. I don't know. Okay. Are any of these guys you're talking about guys you'd want to take at like? end of the first round beginning of the second round because you're grading them kind of like fringy second do we want to if we trade down invest in them or or what well there's two of them that i have graded down there and that that is charles cross and trevor penning i'm okay you know depending on the trade down haul and what they get i'm okay with with charles cross being a giant Uh, i have some questions about him he's got some things he's got to work on but i think he can work out i think he can be a very superior pass blocker in the nfl and they can do some things there um, I also think he's a pretty good run blocker, but but see, you flip to Trevor Penning, and first of all, I don't really like fucking around with talent. You know what I mean? Ta- I tackle 100%. tackle is a really serious position, and you need to approach it seriously. Just because I, right tackles in the NFL are not usually your top it, picks here's doesn't my mean position. shit to me. Here's my position: we we need a lot of things, and probably ideally, you know, trading down, getting more draft picks, more assets. More maneuverability might be in the overall best interest of this team, but you have the opportunity to get a guy that could be, you know, cornerstone B. Yeah. For under, you know, rookie scale. I mean, salary comes into this. Remember, we don't have that much money. And if we can kind of not have to worry about paying, you know, both offensive linemen, you know, again, I'm going back to that list on the, uh, the cap allocation. We're not paying these guys hardly anything. If we can get somebody, you know, high up or relatively a bargain, it's almost like getting a quarterback on a rookie deal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I would sooner draft Evan Neal and uh trade out the other pick uh to mm-hmm. acquire more picks than I would draft the edge rusher and and trade and, out for the tackle. It's, and to the me thing, the way, I don't want to fuck with it. I just And the don't. way I look at it too is if you use five, that's one spot that a quarterback will not be taken. Mm-hmm. So that seventh overall pick becomes more attractive to other people. Yeah, absolutely. If you bail out of five to somebody, someone's going to take a quarterback most likely with it, and then all of a sudden that's one less less valuable that other pick is going to be in other things. <laughs> We're going to get into a lot more of this, these like kind of scenario things and scheming right. things in our show next week when we preview the actual draft. But, I mean, these are all things that weigh on my mind at night. Um, Trevor Penning, I really like. People like him because he's violent and uh, he. No, I'm, I'm serious. I mean, he'll. He Not will, in the violent, violent way. He, he is all like 6, 7, 3, 30, but uh, he will just throw people. I just really. Um, and those are really nice splash plays, but he's got some serious issues. I mean, he's, he's got some wild kick step action. Um, you know, obviously he's very good against like bull rushes, but he, he just. He feels more reactive than proactive. Um, He's very raw to me, and I think his violence early on is going to be out of control, and it's going to be a lot of penalties. I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot of holdings, personal fouls, it's, shit like that. He's got to get it under control first. My uh, standard question, is that mm-hmm. coachable? I think so. I mean, we have to remember that he's coming out of northern Iowa, so he is not coming from the greatest of coaching to begin with. He's not going up against the greatest of competition to begin with, so he's very much uh a 
a uh, raw talent. Yeah, he's a raw talent. That's pretty much it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that the things that he does well, you can't co- you can't coach that aggression and you can't coach his size um, or his athleticism. So he 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 can be somebody, and don't think I'm not. I, I don't think so. I just with this team, you've got to be taking sure things at surefire positions. <laughs> you nailed it. I you don't want to it. be drafting the JPP of right tackles. I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and maybe we miss out on getting a an all pro talent that no one else saw on the cheap for a couple of years. And but I'll settle com- for a pro bowler. <laughs> and this may be completely unfair and a stupid argument, but. You only get a first chance to make a first impression once. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is a very, very important draft for the Giants. Whole new front office. You know, we they are looking at an immediate way to make Daniel Jones for that test as well as rebuild this long-term thing. If they reach, there's going to be backlash. And there should be. And if that reach doesn't pan out, it's going to be... Same old Giants. Well, and th- that may not mean that much, but what does that mean to other front offices around the league? Do they feel like they could take advantage of this? Absolutely. It makes us look like saps. Right. I, I would be pissed because here's the thing. This is the full reset. So the there's no reason to be reaching here. This is your time to take your time and get it right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, uh, so while I'm going to flip to the second round guys and I'll, I'll rotate in my uh, third, fourth, fifth round things on the side over here, I'm going to talk about the second round guys real quick just because I think that there's I think there's a chance that we don't take a tackle for whether we get screwed out of it or whatever in the, in the top five or, or we trade out or something. These are the guys I guess I would target in the second round. Uh, Bernard Raymond from Central Michigan. Um very, very athletic. He's got the size. He's very raw. Uh, I think you can coach him up to be a very athletic tackle in the NFL. But he's an Austrian exchange student. He was a tight end until 2020. So, I mean, he's very much learning position. He could definitely be something. Uh, but he's got a lot of technique issues he's got to get down. And Daniel Falele from Minnesota. I get worried, though, because 6'8", 387 pounds is too big probably <laughs> and and he's got some real movement issues um he's got some nice size for his speed but still it's still it's still a problem his speed um you know, and he, he might get abused this might be my own personal bias but you said central michigan and that red flag warning came up jim mcawain coaches them <sighs> and florida had a bunch of offensive linemen who were wasted in college and you know were drafted because of their size and Speed and their measurables, but never panned out when they should have been. So mm. I just see that, and I just, you know, all the things that are wrong with me, my head hurting and my arm and all this. That's just an, my gut just kind of went off right there. So no, I mean that that's interesting. Um, it, with the coaching that they come out of in college, I think is important, and I didn't know mm-hmm. that. And Jim McElwain had a rough time at Florida, to put it yeah. uh, pretty mildly. Exactly. Um, all right. So that said. Um, even though the Giants have needs at four positions on the offensive, uh, I guess three positions. They have immediate needs at three positions on the offensive line. Tackle, that. tackle has to be the number one problem, though, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That said, um, they would be very well served to continue bolstering their offensive line um, with some interior talent, and there is a lot of it in this draft. And I'm going to say this right now. There's so much that they could not possibly have scouted all of them myself. 
Um, I did Come the best on. I could. What's wrong with you? These are the guys that I've got. I'm going to go over my favorites from them, where I have them rank, and why I like them. Um, but this is chock full, and I guarantee the Giants are going to draft some guy I didn't I didn't watch. So that stinks. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first round talent here, uh, fringe first round talent, Kenyon Green from Texas A&M, Zion Johnson from Boston College. And after looking at them, I feel very confident and can say Kenyon Green I'd like better. Zion Johnson, I think, has a little bit of lateral slowness, and he played on a very good offensive line at Boston College where he had a lot of help. Not that he needed it. He's the best guy there by far. But I think a lot of that lateral slowness um, was masked either by good talent or scheme. Kenyon Green is a lot more athletic, and he played four positions on the, on the offensive line, everything but center at his time there. Um, how, how important is that to you, that versatility? I mean, it would. It, it's not a deal breaker at all, but it would be something I would consider, especially this year where, like I said, we have needs literally everywhere. I think Kenyon Green, you know, Bobby said this, and I hadn't considered it. Bobby Skinner said this. If they don't get a tackle, Kenyon Green might be a better tackle at right tackle than some of the other options that are available high up. Mm-hmm. Um, so while he might be your right guard of the future, if he's the best shot you have at right tackle this year, they might not actually be that bad having him play right tackle and Glowinski at right guard and then making that transition later on at another time when you want to use picks however you want to use them. Mm-hmm. I, I, so the versatility is a mega plus um, going into it but i wouldn't say it's a deal breaker for any guy that's pigeonholed into one spot i mean they they have needs so fucking everywhere i don't think it really matters um but i did want to say that is zion johnson i do like a lot but i liked him a little bit less when i saw him trying to move side to side in the senior bowl um you know it, it shows up a little bit there that he can't square up and really throw his body into it and really utilize the strength the way he knows how Um, Mm -hmm. Kenyon Green is a little bit more athletic, but both of those guys are fantastic. In the second and third round, I really, really, really like, and I I didn't do much work on him uh, until just recently, but uh, Lasita Smith from Virginia Tech I think is really, really good. Um, And he is going to project to be more of a guard, though he did play some tackle as well. Um, I I think he technique his technique is is very very good. Uh, I think the the big knock on him really would be that he cont- needs to keep working on his hand fighting. Um, and he, I mean he has some inadequate length, a six three. I mean I'd like him to be a little bit bigger, and I think he could be a little bit stronger. But that's really the only thing I got. I think he would be an instant start at left guard, and I don't think we would look back if we mm-hmm. had Lasita Smith. Virginia Tech also was at the Senior Bowl, I believe. Um, and I'm pretty sure I had good things to say about him. There's okay. preparation for you. <laughs> well, it's late. Um, but this is where I think the Giants are really going to target more is the third, fourth, and fifth round. And this is really where I'm going to focus on three guys that I really, really like. One I already saw I was prepared for uh, going into the Senior Bowl. I liked him going down there. And I liked him when I saw him there. And he's continued to rise up boards. That's Dylan Parham from Memphis. Um, Dylan Parham, he's he's down here because he's got some limitations that can't be overcome. He's just slight of frame. He's 6'3", he's 3'11 now, he's tacked on a lot of weight since his senior year ended, um, and he went to the Senior Bowl and then the Combine. He's, he's moved up about 25, 30 pounds, which is impressive. Um, 
But is it good? Is it good weight? It's good weight. It... It's good weight. But I'll say he's probably maxed out for his frame. He doesn't really have the the extra broad shoulders to continue adding without it becoming uh, bad weight. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's, he doesn't really have wider hips either. So it looks like this is where he's going to be. And that's going to be a little bit of a problem. He wins with a lot of feistiness and technique. Really good pad level. He has some really good lower body anchor. He really likes to fight with his hands. He's got active feet. But at the end of the day, the solid nose tackle is going to walk him backwards. And that's going to be a problem we see with somebody else as well. But I think we can work with that. You know what I mean? Nick Gates mm-hmm. is not the strongest center, but he was a, a damn good center. Uh certainly serviceable at center. Um, And he has the same kind of issues, I think. Um, I was surprised by this one because I first saw this dude at the Senior Bowl. He wasn't on the roster sheet. This was a panic moment thing. I had a clip of this guy. I really liked him. Didn't know who the hell he was. Found it. His name is Chris Paul. He played at Tulsa. He played um, both guard positions and then most recently at tackle. And he played Hmm. tackle for a while, so his guard tape is old. So a lot of this is projection. So this is probably the highest anyone's going to see this dude graded, but I have him in the third and fourth round as a guard. I think he's made so many strides since the last time he had guard tape done, Mm -hmm. Um, especially with just strength and pad level. And I think that at the Um, NFL, he'd be really good at that. At the senior bowl, these guys – Offensive line, what are they doing? Do you see them bouncing around the offensive line during drills or even in the game itself, or how does that work? Yes, yeah, certain guys. Um, was he uh, one? I think he was one of them. Uh, another one was Zion Johnson had some snaps at center, but he didn't look that good. Dylan Parham had some snaps at center. I don't believe he played any center um, at school, but he did play all along the offensive line. So they did move guys around, left guard, right guard, Um not as much tackle to guard as you'd think. And I, I didn't really see where Chris Paul... But there were so many guys rotating. They would have five-man drills, and I'd just see all the helmets scatter. It's a lot to keep track of. But right. But he they all moved around a little bit. So, yeah, he definitely got some movement around. Um, I, I really like this dude. I have a little clip of him. And one thing I saw him in the Senior Bowl is some really good anchor. Um, his drive is a little awkward. He's got some things he could work on, but... <laughs> I like this dude in the inside. Um, and lastly, last one I'm going to fire at you at, at rapid speed here. Cole Strange from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, I have him as a fourth-round grade. I've seen him rise up draft boards as well. He's another one a lot like Dylan Parham. He's, you know, 307 pounds is not super heavy. So he's going to have issues with the really big nose tackles and the really strong that Damon Harrison's going to eat him for lunch, you know, that kind Mm -hmm. of guy. That's fine. You know, against most NFL defensive lines, he's going to win with really good feet, getting good angles, good pad level, good technique and fast hands. And that's what he does. And more than anything, I like his nastiness. He has serious grit to him. And you saw him at the senior bowl. He was John after every rep. You know, because he's hanging with guys like Travis Jones, who I have pegged as a second-round nose tackle that's 300 million pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> wow, that's um, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and not the H-A-T. Yeah, no. Um, I I like what Cole Strange brings. I think he might be a center at the next level, and uh, we certainly need one of those. So I, this, is, this is the group, this is the area I would like the Giants to kind of spend on guards where they can get this kind of talent. 
and still and, and not just completely invest in the offensive line. I think there's some legitimate starters in these mid rounds. There was a name you didn't mention, mm-hmm. and back in like New Year's weekend, I caught a lot of shit from people when this guy played really well in the bowl game, and I tweeted something to the effect of, "Oh, this guy is our annual." I haven't watched one college football game this year, and I saw this guy, and now I think he should be the first overall pick in the draft. Tyler Linderbaum. Um, I have him listed as second, third round talent. I don't, I don't think he's first round talent personally. Um, so, but I do think he. Were like, people were telling me I was an asshole because, you know, oh, I know who he is. He should be our fifth pick on the fifth, you know, our fifth pick or seventh pick. So. Now that we kind of calm down and relax from, you know, uh, what do they call it when you see something uh, recency biased, you, you don't have them anywhere near the first round. Um, I don't. I've seen people have that. But it takes a lot for me to have a pure center in the first round to begin with. So you'd have to be mm-hmm. amazing. But 6'2 and under 300 pounds is not ideal. And it shows <laughs> up. It shows up at times. I mean, he's got mm-hmm. some good technique. I'm sure he shines here and there, uh, you know, against this, that, and the other thing. But, you know... When you're 6'2", your reach just isn't there and you tend to lean and you start to see things like that. He gets a little bit wild and he can kind of lose his balance and get sloppy and he doesn't have the greatest strength because he's just not a big enough guy right now. Um, but I don't think right. he's bad at all. I, I would absolutely be happy if Linderbaum came. No, no, no. Came. I, wouldn't say he was, I wouldn't say he was bad. It was just all of a sudden. I. It takes you know, a lot for me to have The people just, yeah. you know they went insane over a guy that most people I know never heard of three days before. Yeah. And And I don't think you're totally wrong or anything about that. Right. Some people, yeah, I get it. You, you know, one or two people are like, look, I had this five days ago, but a lot of people went nuts when they watched that game and they were like, you see, you see, look at this guy draft him. So, yeah. And as my, uh, my things are scrolling over here, my, my slides, I have Alec Lindstrom, who people uh, I see asking a lot about the center from Boston College, way, way lower for similar. He's got strength issues. He's got lateral movement issues. Um, he, Boston College had two offensive linemen that should be like in the first or second round. They'd be a hell of a lot better team than they were. Yeah, well, I mean, they did have a really good offensive line as a unit. I think more than anything, he benefited from playing next to Zion Johnson and, and you know, combining their talents, but he's also he's a, he's a good center as well. But I mean, I would not be scrambling to get him if he's sitting pretty where right. he belongs. We absolutely need a center. I'd be happy with him, but I wouldn't be ecstatic or anything like that. Gotcha, man. And that that's pretty much our uh, that's our offensive line group. It's a lot of guys. I did a lot of work on all of them. I didn't want to read through my notes on all of them. I feel no, like that's a I waste of did. time because again, where we're <laughs> where we're most likely going to be picking and the spot most likely going to impact this team in more of a longer-term view are the guys that you covered. I don't need to know the top 15 guys who would be in the fourth round. It doesn't do anything for me. It's not long-term solutions. Yeah. And uh, you probably can get guys in other positions of need around there. I um, How are you feeling about this draft? We have one position group left to cover. Um, which will be out on Friday, and that's wide receivers. It's not really one that I, um, you um, know, have super high up on my lists of things for the Giants. So we've covered just about everything. I, I, I'm fascinated by this draft more. It'll be our first real sense of kind of looking into the mind of Joe Shane mm-hmm. and 
you know, the front office of what they really think about this roster and, you know, how much of it is, you know, and I, we said this all along timeline, what are timelines? You know, if we see them wheeling and dealing quite a bit, you could, you know, there's your answer that this is going to take a while. They are setting themselves up, you know, for sustained growth, you know, with getting multiple assets and multiple picks. So I, I, Nothing would really. They can go either way, you know. They could do no pick, uh, no trades, and you know, <laughs> take an offensive lineman, take an, an edge rush in, in the first day, and where you know we we get on the show and we talk about it, and we say you know we solve two major problems right now. They could also you know really go nuts, wheel and deal, trade out of the first round, trade back in the first round. Who knows? Um, to me, this is a real interesting just kind of barometer of what they're thinking. And now we're done with the the offseason winning with all the, you know, the, the GM speak and coach speak and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Truth in the pudding. So what do you do? What guys are you picking? How are you positioning yourselves for 2022, 2023? You know, Daniel Jones, life after Daniel Jones, life after Dexter Lawrence, life after, you know, everybody on this roster. So that's what I'm kind of really fascinated to see what's going to happen yeah you nailed it man i mean they can go in several different directions here joe shane also you know you said we can get into their minds of the their first thought the first time we can really get into their minds about this roster but it's the first time we can really get into their minds in general i mean everything else we're just guessing that joe shane will work it's on the same way brandon bean will, nonsense though. yeah but, but what i'm saying is value but we don't have any indication of what joe shane will do based on his past because he was only an assistant gm in his that's class right and i think that's so. an important thing because you know i think the lazy uh capsule analysis by like national publications and, and things are just like well in buffalo they did this well we don't really know what went on in that war room of how involved he really was and mm-hmm. you know was he a process guy? Was he a dissenter on things? And maybe in the interview it was like, hey, I didn't like what they did. This is what I would have done. And that would have been like, oh, interesting. So I think that actually helps us drafting because not only do we not know what's going to go on. No one else does. No one else does. That's I a mean, good point. You know, the Jets and, the, and Detroit and Jacksonville, they don't know. And the teams like Carolina behind us, they don't know what we're going to do. So that's that little chess match I think is fascinating. And and further into that, he's got so much to. Be, there's just so much involved in this draft with, with the amount of holes with the picks and and you know James Bradbury's wrapped in there and the cap and I, I, can we even afford to pick at five and seven? Can we make that much money to spend? I would just say this to everybody: is that don't act like an asshole. Don't be the guy. Don't be practicing right now. Your giant fan a mad video, so you can be the first guy to have the video about you're not happy with the pick. Just go through the weekend. You know, watch the picks, see what happens. We need so much. We're going to get good guys. If we don't trade down, we're going to get two high-value, lottery-level, you know, future stars. They may not be the exact. It, it's more important, and I say this all the time. It's more important that the Giants get better and win than you proving that you were right. Mm. You know, people just get so pissed off because, oh, I had player X in my mock draft and they didn't take him. And, you know, they act like an asshole on, on, on the shows, you know, the, the videos they put up. And they're going to have that bias against that player 
the entire I mean I do I do the same thing, you know, again, we we drafted Noel in the first round. I'm not going to like the guy. But that's I have a character fault. I know that. But <laughs> just because this wasn't the pick you would have done, the goal isn't to prove you're right. The goal is for this team to get better and to win. So we're not sitting around in on January 8th with our thumbs up our asses watching other teams. Yeah, I would like that. I would like to not sit with my thumb up my ass. I'd like to be clapping and in the stands at MetLife. Watching. Hell yeah. Um, right. Yeah, you nailed it, man. Um, <laughs> I'm not big on the uh, the reaction videos. Uh, and also, I'm not really big on being disappointed. So let's hope that that just doesn't happen. Let's just stick with that. Let's push some positivity I mean, into this. Well, <laughs> my last question for you, which I'll ask it anyway. What would disappoint you? What would disappoint me in the first round or in general? Uh, let's say, let's say Thursday, Friday. Not acquiring a first round pick for next year would disappoint me. I'll say that. I think it's that important. Um, I won't be crushed. Um, but I'll be pretty disappointed if they don't find a way to get another first round pick for next year. I, so I will so feel so, so secure with that. So I'll read between the lines then and say you want to trade one of the, the picks, preferably seven. I do, yeah. I think mm-hmm. that that's, that will better serve us. I think – well, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get into that next week. But yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. To, to, that that will be our teaser. For you know <laughs> Monday, we'll have that episode out about our draft preview stuff and uh, we'll go through you know big board and all that nonsense. But for now, that's going to do it for us. We will be here again Friday talking about wide receivers, and that will conclude our positional review for the offseason. Um, yeah. And until then, you can – well, I mean then, you can listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, Google Play, and you can view these on YouTube where it's better uh, enjoyed in my opinion. I don't know, man. I think I look pretty rough today, so maybe you, you might yeah, want to go to the uh, maybe the podcast this only this one because I, I took that I took those night calls about a half hour ago, and they're starting to kick in, and I'm, you're starting to make a lot more sense than normal. So that's <laughs> scaring me. Yeah, there you go. That's that's usually time to cut it. All right, guys, we will catch you next time. Go Giants. Go Giants.